At Alina Health, we care about your health and wellness. Learn how Alina Health provides care that can benefit you in this edition of The Wellcast. Now here's your host, Melanie Cole. According to the CDC, about 70 million American adults have high blood pressure. That's one in every three. Only about half of the people with high blood pressure are actually managing their condition. If your doctor has told you that you have high blood pressure, they may recommend blood pressure medication to help control that hypertension. The array of medications available can be quite confusing. My guest today is Dr. Matt Kressel. He's a pharmacist practitioner with Alina Health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kressel. First, give us just a little working definition of blood pressure. What is hypertension? Yeah, so hypertension is kind of defined as, for most patients, uh, greater than 140 over 90. And so those, those two numbers can be confusing. So really what the, the high number represents is what's called systolic blood pressure. And so that's basically telling us what the heart is doing when the heart is actually contracting. And so that's the squeeze that the heart is doing, uh, pumping that blood out. And then the the low number or the 90 number or less than 90 is considered the diastolic blood pressure. And that's really what the heart is doing when it's relaxing. And so it's the combination of those two numbers that healthcare givers are looking at to help us find what is high blood pressure and what's low high blood pressure. So if somebody is told that they have high blood pressure, what do you see every day as the most common medications used? And what are these medications intended to do, Dr. Kressel? Yeah, so most patients, when a, when a doctor sees a otherwise healthy patient with high blood pressure, will generally start with a, a low-risk medicine called a, a diuretic, which is kind of a fancy way of saying water pills. And what that water pill does is it removes water off of your body. And for reasons that even scientists don't quite understand, that has a, a blood pressure lowering effect. And because it's generally so safe and well tolerated for many patients, that's the starting point. But after that, uh, depending on the medical conditions you have, um, there are certainly uh, other medicines that can be used. But that's kind of the, the first start for many patients. So then speak about a few of the other medications, maybe ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers. What are those meant to do to the heart? Yeah, so depending on what medical conditions you have, um, different blood pressure medicines are used. So for example, if you have a heart condition, say you've had a heart attack in the past or you have a family history of heart disease where family members have died at a very young age from, from a heart attack or something like that, um, they'll use a medicine called a beta blocker, and what a beta blocker does is it slows um, the work that the heart has to do, and that lowers your blood pressure. So if the heart's working less hard, um, that's a good thing for your heart. Um, less work equals less strain, and so those medicines are often used for people with heart conditions where uh, patients with diabetes, for example, uh, may use a medicine called, uh, like you mentioned, an angiotensin receptor blocker or an ACE inhibitor. Um, again, these are just fancy terms for groups of medicines that um, have benefit for patients with diabetes. And the specific benefit for those medicines is really on the kidney. So people with diabetes um, are at high risk for kidney disease. In fact, it's the leading cause of kidney disease um, in the United States. And those, those medicines have not only the blood pressure lowering effect, but also 
the kidney protecting effects. So it's kind of like getting more bang for your buck when you, you take a medicine like those for those types of specific conditions. Do people sometimes have to take a combo of the medications? Yeah, so it's not uncommon for people to be on two, three. I've had patients up to five different blood pressure medicines. And, you know, for reasons that aren't completely understood, some people are more genetically at risk for, you know, hypertension, either through family history. Um, Sometimes we look at things like lifestyle, um, sodium intake, and and other things. Um, But, yeah, there's a wide spectrum of, Um, challenges with blood pressure. Again, some people can manage on just one very low dose and others need to be on multiple ones. Do you advise people to keep track of their own blood pressure on a regular basis? How often, if that's the case? Um, It's a good question. I would say for most patients, it's a good um, idea to track your blood pressure at home. Um, The American Heart Association actually has recommendations um, with monitoring, and they advocate for a blood pressure monitor that you wrap around your arm, similar to what you would use in a doctor's office. And there are a lot of blood pressure monitors out there. Some of them you wear around your wrist, which I I don't mind for patients. Um, They just aren't, um, I guess, endorsed by the American Heart Association. And the the issue with them is that um, they can give readings that are inconsistent. But I would say as a general rule of thumb, I I like when patients monitor their blood pressure at home for a few reasons. One, um, I know patients experience this, uh, what's called white coat syndrome, where you go into the doctor's office, you get super nervous, and your nervousness then raises your blood pressure. Um, I think it increases your health literacy. And what I mean by that is if you know what number you're getting on your, your, uh, your cuff, then you're more likely to know what the goal is and how to... Um, advocate for yourself in terms of um, getting to a, a lower number. And I think that it just empowers people to take control of their health. And so I always encourage my patients to, to buy a blood pressure monitor, um, especially for those who have a difficult time uh, controlling it. If they don't work or if you notice your blood pressure fluctuating a lot, do they sometimes have to change dosages of the medications that they are on? Yeah, so, um, you know, blood pressures, um, you know, it seems like an exact science in the sense that you look at the number and you go, if it's above 140 over 90, then we need to take um, more medicine. But sometimes uh, providers will look at uh, one number in isolation and say, you know what, let's just see how this goes. Um, That's why monitoring at home is such a good thing. But the nice thing about the medicines we have today is there's a spectrum of doses we can use. And so we generally start at the lowest dose and then we work our way up on the dose until we achieve the benefit um, that we want. Um, I do want to offer one caveat though, which is that oftentimes lifestyle measures, um, meaning diet and exercise, have been shown in studies to actually have uh, similar or even sometimes better blood pressure lowering benefits than the medicine. So, you know, it doesn't kind of um, preclude you from doing the lifestyle stuff. And in fact, the lifestyle stuff can, can be better and it's, it's obviously safer um, than, than taking a medicine. And Dr. Kressel, what's the deal with salt? Is that really a bad thing for people that have high blood pressure? Uh, for certain types of patients with high blood pressure, yes. And for patients with heart conditions, I would say that's where it becomes 
uh, more of a challenge. Um, the, the science on salt is not um, conclusive for patients who don't have a, a heart condition, meaning um, your body's ability to get rid of um, salt um, is generally pretty good, especially if you're younger. But I think anybody who's eaten too much salt and felt their fingers uh, swell up, uh, they'll tell you is that it does it does um, have some effects on uh, on blood pressure. Um, and really where it becomes more imperative is when patients have, say, heart failure and um, they're, they're salt restricted, um, in part because their blood pressure can change quite dramatically very quickly um, if, if not uh, watched closely. Are blood pressure medications expensive? Uh, th- these days, actually not. You would, you would think with all the medicines um, that are out there, um, many of them are very, very expensive, but most patients can be maintained on a, a blood pressure regimen that's pretty inexpensive. And what I mean by inexpensive is that they're generally generic and there are um, oftentimes incentive programs through uh, pharmacies where you can get them for $5 or sometimes even less a month. So um, the, the, the number fluctuates, but I can get many patients um, under control with their blood pressure on one to two medicines for oftentimes $10 or less a month. And if they take the pills and adhere to their medication management, does that mean they're not going to have a heart attack or stroke? Uh, not necessarily, no. So, I mean, the, the data on the benefit for a population is, um, you know, is conclusive in the sense that um, better blood pressure control reduces heart attacks and strokes. So, when you're thinking about taking your blood pressure medicine every day, um, that's the gain you, you stand to get from, from taking those medicines. But um, just kind of know that um, it doesn't preclude you from getting one, um, but it definitely improves your odds. And um, as I mentioned before, if you've got a pre-existing condition like you've had a heart attack already or a stroke already or you have diabetes, um, those blood pressure medicines not only lower your blood pressure, which you get a gain from, but also help protect your, your heart or your kidney from further damage, which is another benefit. So are these typically, and in the last few minutes, are these typically lifelong medications, or can you reverse it? And as you said before about lifestyle modifications, can those actually fix your blood pressure, possibly reverse the situation? Yeah, so um, the good news is, is that um, for a number of patients I work with who, who certainly have a goal of reducing the number of medicines they take, um, you know, if they undergo the lifestyle changes, you know, we can often, we as caregivers can oftentimes eliminate the blood pressure medicine entirely. And um, it's generally kind of negotiated between the patient and the, and the caregiver meaning a patient comes in and says, you know, I've really made some lifestyle changes. I've lost this amount of weight. Um, My blood pressure has been under control for the last, say, year and a half or two years. And the doctor um, or provider says, yeah, okay, let's see how you do um, on a drug holiday, meaning you don't take the medicine for some time, and we'll check your blood pressure. And um, that can be one less pill you have to take um, through uh, nothing other than, you know, um, lifestyle intervention. So give your best advice here to people who are suffering from hypertension, who've been told that they do have high blood pressure, and what you as a pharmacist practitioner want them to know about medication management. Um, I would say that, you know, in general, blood pressure is 
is hard because it's not something you generally feel. Um, but it is known as the silent killer for a reason. And um, the medicines are generally well tolerated. Um, we generally start at the lowest dose. Um, they have been proven to be effective. And they're one of those medicines that you can um, get into, meaning take, uh, for a relatively modest price. So it's a, it's a medicine with, you know, low potential cost and high potential gain. So it's, it's something that's, um, I think, important for everybody to be aware of um, the, the, the potential benefits of, of managing it with medicine. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Kressel. It's such important information. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.